Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Scott Lease here with another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, Richard Harris. And today we're talking to Sam Dunning, co-owner and sales director at WebChoice from across the pond in the UK. So we're excited to uh, get together with him and and uh, learn more about him and, and get some, some good takes on, on sales and, and skills to be successful out there. So thanks for joining us, Sam. Hey guys, thanks very much for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's good to finally get on the show and I'm um, looking forward to, to chatting through with you guys. Yeah, have you, have you recovered from the beatdown that we gave you in the transatlantic takedown? Oh, oh man, I, I know, I know um, you've already kind of chatted it through of Costas when he came on the show, but... <laughs> Well, you guys, he's more sensitive than you are. So I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can very take careful it. with picking on him, but you're, you, That's you, it. I feel like can, I can take it. it. It's, it's water on the duck's back for me, but no, it was really well done. I mean, from execution, it was a really fun event. Daryl, Daryl um, hosted it really well. You and um, Costas did a great job of, of making it happen. Then we got some really good engagement. I mean, there's way more signups than I ever expected. Um, yeah. It was just a shame that the majority share of audience were in the US, so uh, it was always going to happen. <laughs> so to tell everybody, um, <clears throat> you know, about about your role at, at WebChoice, like, what do you sell, sure. and what's the sales cycle like, and the the space that you're in, and and where you're located, and things like that. Yeah, so like yeah, sure thing. So um, WebChoice is basically a digital marketing company. So we help businesses get results via digital. So whether that's increasing their leads, increasing their brand positioning, increasing their sales um, via websites that actually convert visitors into customers or into leads. And we help them get to the top of Google organic search with SEO. So we help them drive more quality traffic to the website. We help them convert it with an effective website. And um, we help them with custom, we do a lot of custom builds like big web projects, big app projects. So it's all about improving brand awareness, improving positioning, improving leads and sales. Um, so that's what we do. And where we're based, we're in the southwest of the UK, um, county of Somerset. It's actually a bank holiday today, so I've just been chilling in the garden with my, uh, my girlfriend, doing a bit of reading, did a bit of work this morning, and then just been chilling and doing some reading. Um, and my role is essentially, um, I'm a sales guy here, so I look after all the new relationships, um, get projects kicked off. I do quite a lot of account management as well, because we're quite a compact and agile company. Um, so end to end, in terms of sales cycle, um, we're not enterprise level, so it's a mix really of kind of transactional deals through to projects typically anywhere from roughly 2K, um, so 2K GBP up to 100K plus, something like that. So some of our deals are really quick and can be closed within a few weeks. Some of our deals take a few months to close. So that's why it's quite exciting really. So it's not always a case that we have to wait months and months, months and months to get a deal in. Sometimes it can be quite fast. Are you one of those, are you one of those organizations who are at the moment um, seeing an increase in business because of what's happening in the COVID world and that people are like, they're trying to get smarter and better um, and things, or is it sort of staying the same for you? Like, as, as you said, yeah. you're, you're, a, you know, you're, you're, you're a compact business, which means it can really affect you one way or the other. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're fortunate that at the moment people are thinking that they need to move into digital because a lot of, especially direct consumer businesses have been effect, have been hit hard by this um, this pandemic. So they're thinking, oh, we can't can't sell face to face now. We need to move into digital. So we are seeing an increase. Well, we saw an increase over the last few weeks in our inbound inquiries, which is good. But on the flip side, 
people are still really scared to, to spend money, man. So um, last month was tough in terms of sales. So we still just about hit our target, but it's hard work getting people to, to, to spend. I mean, people can see the value. It's just they're saying, look, we can see the value, Sam. We, we know this product is going to give us an ROI that's going to help our business, but it's just getting them over the finish line. A lot of, I'm sure a lot of businesses from the same boat that they were saying, look, I'm, I'm ready to buy, but after the pandemic, after things clear up. So that was a common objection. Um, I would, you know, something that, we haven't, something that we haven't touched on much uh, in the show is the difference in approach between an inbound lead versus, you know, outbounding. So maybe you can talk through some of the differences in your strategy and tactic and approach with uh, with inbounds versus you know cold outreach. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I'm fortunate these days that I don't have to do a heck of a lot of cold outreach. Um, although I still do some, I prospect most days. But a lot of our work because of our SEO positioning, because of LinkedIn and various other tools, we get a lot of inbound leads. So, are you talking through kind of how we attack inbound leads, how we deal with them? Um, is that yeah, just the, the messaging and tone. I mean, one of the things that that I've always found is that. Um, once salespeople get an inbound lead, they sort of oftentimes make the assumption that the prospect, you know, knows everything already, recognizes yeah. that they have this this pain and, and knows why they need to I fix it. it. And it's it. like basically, you know, ready to buy. So the salesperson skips over <laughs> all of all of the steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one would take and I just see. goes right to like, you know, pitching the product and like trying to close the deal. And and so um, I'm curious what kind of tactical approach you have. I think the worst assumption you can make is that an inbound lead is ready to buy. So it's, I think there's, there's a few, few kind of best practices that I'd say um, in terms of dealing with an inbound lead. Number one is respond to it as soon as you possibly can. So if you can, allow your sales reps or whoever's responsible for certain leads to get um, leads linked up. So if it's coming from a form, so a lot of our leads and a lot of our customer leads come from form fields or some are direct emails or some are calls. But a lot of the time the leads are coming after working hours. So make sure your smartphone's linked up to get that email straight away because you want to be responding to that lead within 5, 10 minutes, 20 minutes max. And you can say, look, thanks very much for getting in touch. We'd love to chat this through. Let's book in a call if it comes in at nighttime tomorrow. So you can schedule in that call for the next day. And that way you're striking while the iron's hot. I mean, I've, had, I've heard from organizations that haven't passed inbound leads to their reps for like days. It's like, what the heck's going on? You wanna, these are people who want to do business to you. Strike while they aren't hot, man, for God's sake. So that's the first thing. And then once you've booked in a call with them or you've, they might say that they only want to discuss on email, they might not leave a number. So you might have to talk through. So that, like you said, Scott, the main thing is not to assume they're going to buy. You need to still put them through um, uh, discovery. So first case is really discovery. It doesn't matter if that's Skype, Zoom, email, cool, whatever. You need to understand about their business. So Josh Braun, I was actually listening to on the Salesman podcast the other day. He, he asked a good question. It was, what motivated you to get in touch with us? Um, so that's, that's a good question that I've started using, actually. So the first thing, what's motivated you to get in touch with us? Not why, but what was the actual emotion you felt? Um, so it might have been in, in our case, for example, our, our website stopped producing us leads. We haven't had a lead for our site for the last month or something like that, which is going to be relevant for a lot of companies that have websites. So find out why they've got in touch and then start asking um, questions around that. Like, um, okay, interesting. How long has that been going on? Um, and they might say it's been going on for a month, two months, so on. Um, right, okay. So how much is a lead worth to you? Um, 
and they, they'll tell you so learn more about their deal sizes about their projects about what they get involved in um find out why it's an issue um so they're saying look we're having having to make more cold outreach and do xyz because we're not getting the inbound leads in um so ask questions around it and also find out so if it was to do with a, a lead issue on the website you might say what other marketing channels are you doing we're doing Facebook ads, doing Google AdWords, blah, blah, blah. So find out what they're doing around it. Find out the results they're getting from there. And then just essentially work out the impact of what this problem is. So in, in this case, they're, they're not getting the leads they want. So you want to, that's the main impact. And then you want to drive on that. And um, yeah, essentially, the point is to find out if it's worth working with them or not. It might be that they haven't got a problem that's big enough that you can fix. Or it might be that they don't have the budget to work with you. So you want to ask, once you've kind of found out if there is an issue, you want to drive to, okay, when do you want to get this done? When do you want to get it sorted out? What's your time frame? Um, so it might be, oh, we, we're not that bothered. Or this is pretty important. We need to sort it out kind of ASAP. Okay. So based upon everything that we've discussed, all these issues, timeframes, so on and so forth, what's, what are you looking to invest to get this addressed? Um, sometimes they might not always tell you. So more than often, customers aren't going to tell you what they want to spend. They're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I was hoping you could help us. And that's when you, you, you've got to use own techniques. So bracketing, I found, works quite well. Um, so you could say often a customer like this for a basic solution spends between, I don't know, 2 to 10K. Or if they want more of an advanced solution, it might be between 10 and 20K. Which of these, if any, do you think work, would work for yourself? And then just shut up and let them talk. Um, so those kind of open-ended questions, finding out if they've actually got an issue that you can fix, finding out if they've got budget, finding out timeframes, also making sure you understand who's involved in the process. Um, so good, rather than just saying who's the decision maker, um, you can ask questions like, as well as yourself, John, who's involved in this process or who helps make decisions of this nature in your organization? Um, it could be that you're dealing with a small company and they're the director and then it might just be them. Or it could be that they're a marketing manager and then they've got to deal with their CEO, the head of IT and, and so on. So you want to know. Right. Stop, you don't, stop, 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 stop. Too, too long of an answer, Sam. All right. Where was this answer when we were doing the USA UK takedown? Like this is, <laughs> this is what we, this is what you needed. Good answer. Too high pressure, wrong. man. So um, sorry to interrupt, but not really. No sorry. worries. Uh, question for you. Um, I think there's something else that we don't talk about a lot here too. And I, and I love that, by the way, that is a great answer. Um, do you, for your business, how much of your business is, let's call it Europe versus USA, right? A lot. Do you have a, do you have a distinction between the two? Yeah. Um, most of our business is UK based. So okay. we do, because of the SEO positionings and some of our digital marketing efforts, we do get overseas inquiries. So we do get maybe a couple international inquiries, maybe US or a few other countries. So what do you, so, so my real question then is, I'm curious and, and be biased, be polite. What's the difference between selling to a UK organization and a US organization? Let's, let's say I said, Sam, you know, quit your company, come start mine. I'm going to pay you a million dollars just, <laughs> just to move to the United States, but I want you to tackle the UK market because I think people right. are, or, or the European market. And I know each country can be different. What do you think are some things that are just, innate because you live on that side of the world that American, we just don't get it. Like what, what would be advice if I were saying, Hey, I want to penetrate that market. What kind of advice would you be giving me? Not even in an SEO SEM world. 
just like, hey, if you're going to approach these customers, these are the kinds of ways you need to think about talking to them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult because like yourself, I do sell to the US. So I've got a little bit of experience with that, but majority of our customers are UK. I would say from what I've heard, I mean, take this, don't take this as an offensive way, but I'd say UK guys are quite to the point. So I'd say don't beat around the bush. Don't kind of a, a, as little fluff as possible. So kind of when you're, especially if you're doing discovery calls or you're doing presentations. So what's an example up. of that? Like what's an example that you think, and maybe you've been on it from a customer side where you're like, okay, you know, Richard, mm, you were like mm. an SDR, you know, get with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's when sales guys try to be your friend and they start trying to strike up a conversation about you, with you about things that you don't really care about. It's like, how's it going, man? Like the weather's really nice out, isn't it? Like I'm going to take my kids out and do all this stuff. It's like, yeah, that's all good and well, but I don't really care. I just want to know how you can help me if you can help me and how you're going to even make my business perform better or let's say you didn't let's say you didn't know Scott and you had your first call Scott was calling you and you get on this zoom call with him and you aside from only your 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 personal preferences and you see this yeah. Liverpool yeah. thing behind him uh, that would, would be a good thing like, to support Liverpool what's the, okay <laughs> and he knows that automatic automatic rapport builder right there. exactly instant but but do you do you think of, oh, this guy, you know, I wonder if he changes that out to the uh, Dallas Cowboys when he's talking to someone in Texas, or do you like, is that fake rapport <laughs> building in your mind? Like, I'm curious what that, or is it like, no, that's cool. Like, I don't even really care. I'm trying to distinguish between how do we build yeah, I think without fluff, it's a good, it's but a, also draw a connection. It's a really good question. I mean, rapport building for me is has always been one of those difficult points because I'm a bit of an introvert, so I'm not someone who's massively loud and someone who kind of talks about loads of stuff that's not really relevant to what I'm selling or how I can help customers. So yeah, obviously if I, because I'm a Liverpool fan, if I saw this, the scarf hung up on Scott's word, say, hey man, how's it going? Great to see a Liverpool fan, like they did really well this season, they're gonna win the league and so on and so forth. And we could talk about players and we could talk for ages. But if I didn't know that, um, I mean, some one question that I sometimes ask is kind of whereabouts, hey man, um, well, hey X, hey John, Appreciate you getting in touch with us. Excited to, to talk about if and how we can help you today. Um, out of curiosity, whereabouts in the world are you based? Um, so just, just find out. That's, that was something I heard on a podcast a while ago. It's not too bad. Just find out whereabouts in the world they are. Maybe talk for a minute about what, where they're based, about what, what, what there is to do there and something like that. I would say keep it brief. Um, I don't know what you guys think. If you like, guys like to talk about rapport or try and build rapport for five minutes or something like that, I don't spend too much time on it. I'd rather cut to the chase. And I, it's never been an issue for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer for Scott just because I know he's got a bad cough. And then I'll, well, first I'll answer for me. I'm like you, Sam. I want to get straight to the point. Hey, Sam, look, Hey, thanks for making time today. I've got us down for 30 minutes. You know, I sort of run through my respect contract yep. and get into it. Um, if I know Scott, well, as I think I know him, he waits to see how the other person handles it. And then he will, if they start to do, hey, how you doing? He'll do, hey, how you doing? If they want to start jumping into something, he'll jump into it. So Scott's much more sort of, he's almost watching the conversation between himself and someone else as a third party entity to figure out which maneuver yeah. this little chess piece of himself needs to move. Scott, I don't, did, I, did I get that right? Or? That's 100% right. I yeah. very much don't want to make the first move. 
and I, I feel like I get an advantage once I see how somebody, you know, starts the conversation or is, is behaving and interacting and whatnot. I'm like, boom, now I know exactly how to, how to match and mirror this particular person. So yeah, that's exactly like that. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it also depends on whether it's your first call with them. So if it was like a discovery call or if it was uh, perhaps a demo or a presentation where you've already built the rapport, so you've got some common ground that you could start the conversation off with, or whether it was a follow-up call and so on. So it depends on how far along the sales process you are. And like you say, Scott, that's, that's a good thing that you've just recommended there, like in terms of kind of mirroring the prospect. And I think it's a, good, it's, a, it's a good tactic too for people who are a little more introverted and a little more, you know, direct. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have like this big agenda where I'm going to build in five minutes of rapport building into my, you know, conversations and, and, and what have you. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more like you, I think in that regard. And I've found that just kind of holding back just a little bit and seeing how the other person moves first is a, uh, is a good strategy for me. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything else, Sam? So that, that was a really good tactic. Back of to like, discovery hey, is this. Back to initial, sorry, back to inbound lead calls. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think it's just laying down so you understand exactly where the inbound lead's at. Because like we said, not every, every inbound lead is going to be qualified to work with you or you might not be qualified to work with them. So you need to understand the, the pain's big enough that they actually want to sort it out. They want to fix it. Um, you need to understand when they want to do it. If it's even on their radar to do soon, or if it's something that they don't want to do for another six, 12 months, um, if they've got a budget, so if they've actually got the money to get it done, who's involved in the process, if it's just them or if there's other decision makers. And then once you've nailed down everything, you're entirely comfortable, you understand their organization, you understand their deal size, you understand sales cycle, you understand who's involved in the process, if they've got money, if they've got budget, if they've got time frame, then you book a next step if they're a good fit. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like where, where did you learn all of this stuff like maybe you can take us to, to back oh, to, yeah back to the beginning like Sam's so, origin, Sam's origin story like have you always been a salesperson were you entrepreneurial as a kid you know were your parent were your parents in sales like you know when, when did you start studying all this stuff and and oh no 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 I was I was much much like many people I was I kind of fell into sales so I mean yeah I it's like I can go through the kind of doing before what were you doing before? So I, so I can go through the short version of it. Basically, sure. <laughs> basically, when I was a kid, when I was like 17, 18, I used to sit at home and, base, and play after I finished college, um, which I think is high school for US. I'm not sure. Maybe school. Anyway, I finished college. I was 17, 18. And I used to just basically play video games all day, all day, every day. Didn't have a job. Just played it all day, every day. And my mum was like, Sam, you need to get a job. You can't play video games all day. And I was like, really? It's pretty fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty damn fun and I was like okay it kind of makes sense because at the time all I really cared about was uh, playing video games and, and going out drinking with my friends so it was pretty laid back attitude and um, so I, I got I handed in my CV to a few places in town um, got a job at a, a shop called Jessup's which basically sells camera equipment um, so retail store in town selling like cameras and stuff like that um, I hated was that, it was that was that like your first experience with sales, like retail selling of cameras? That was my very first experience of sales. And, and, you, hate, honest, and, you, hate, and you hated I it. I hated it, man. 
Um, I hated going up to the public and basically there, there was no real training like many sales jobs. So it was just like, here's our cameras. We'll give you half an hour's training on some of the cameras and the display cabinets. Now you've got to go up to people. You've got to say, hi, can I help you? And obviously when you go, when you say to someone, hi, can I help you? No, I'm fine. I'm just looking or I'm just browsing is the immediate reaction that we all know. And that's why only bad people, bad sales reps say it. That's um, the that automatic response, right? Yeah. Exactly. There's an automatic response. You put up your shield and that's what you say. And then, yeah, then, then um, we got a really bad manager in. She kind of really pissed me off. Um, and I just realized I didn't like face-to-face -face retail. And there was no rewards, man. Like, it's not like other types of sell. There was no commission. It was just, you had a really low basic salary. Um, you had to do all this work to get a sell. Then you had to, to get to sell the camera. Then you had to upsell them things for the camera, like memory cards, cases, insurance, all these things you had to do on bolt on. But there was no incentive. There was no targets. There was nothing. I was like, oh, this is terrible. And my cousin, Tom, who's one of the um, co-owners at WebChoice now, he basically said, look, there's, there's a job going at this place called WebChoice. Um, do you fancy it? So I went for an interview a day later after he told me. And the owner at the time, Felix, um, had a half an hour interview, basically said, do you want to start? I said, yes. Just left my job. Didn't tell him. Just walked out. <laughs> and <laughs> like, I hated it that much. Um, and yeah, started. Um, started at WebChoice. So I didn't have a clue about much apart from they saw websites. Um, managed to do a sale on my first day which was at the time WebChoice used to buy leads. So they used to buy um, companies through this lead generation site where three people would say they needed a quote for a website or a digital marketing project and they'd feed these three leads for free to you. You'd pay like 30 pounds for a lead. I just called the first one up and managed to sell them a website. Didn't have a clue what the heck I was doing. I basically just said yes to everything. It was all, under, sold all it. downhill after that. Had, yeah, you, it was all downhill after that. A perfect record. And then you should have just yeah. walked away right then. I should have just done it. Now you're I the co-owner. Yeah. Was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah. You were the co-owner? That was yesterday? Co-owner? Um, no, I've been co-owner for not long, about a month. Um, but there's, there's some bits that happen in between that. I've actually left and come back to WebChoice, I think, four times. Really? So, wow. yeah, I think you that's... Don't, you don't look old enough to have left and come back four times. <laughs> you wouldn't think so, would you? 29 now, nearly 30. But um, yeah, left and come back four times. So I, I worked there for a bit, then got bored. Um, because at the time there wasn't much structure, went to sell ink cartridges over the phone in a call center because my friend said there was a job going there and it was at the time quite a good wage and I was probably only about 21. So that was good experience because I was used to quite slow cycles, sales cycles, selling websites and things like that. Whereas this was inkjets, um, selling over the phone in a call center, busy, um, lots going on and you're just on a dialer. So you're literally straight into past customers. Like, Hi, this is Sam at Inkjets and Toners. Um, you bought from us a while ago. We've got a deal going on in Inkjet. Who still remembers the pitch, Richard? We all have one of those jobs where mm. you still remember the sales pitch, right? Exactly. I, I, but it I, was... know, I, I know exactly which one I'm thinking of in, in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, it was, yeah, it was good fun um, for a while. I mean, it was cool because it gave me an experience of actually having targets. So you had a, a board up there with live sales. So as soon as you sold something, it was up on the board. And you could, the first, the first two or three days I was top of sales, reason being, I found it easy because I was used to slow sales circles. I could sell people in one call. I was loving it. Um, I was like, this, this had never been so easy. So I was closing like these really small sales, like hundred pounds, 50 pounds. Um, the target was only like 300 pounds a day because the ink cartridges were only five to 10 pounds each. Um, but no, it's good fun for a while. 
And after a while, it kind of grinded on me again. There wasn't too much incentive. So I left that, went back to web choice so when, for a little bit. At what point, at what point though, did you really, at what point did you really lock in and decide like sales is going to be my, my career and my passion? Okay. My so yeah, let's, let's cut to the chase. So did, did that a few times. I even almost joined the army for a while, which I didn't do in the end. Um, went to a company called Mighty Marketing Group, which was a startup marketing agency. And the guy there, I'd known for a while. Anyway, he did something really good that no one had ever really done with me. After a couple of days in the organization, he said, look, Sam, why, why are you here? Um, I said, well, to sell, really. That's why you've employed me, to sell stuff. Um, no, he said, what do you actually want to achieve out of this in terms of what are your personal goals? And that was something no one had ever asked me. So I said, look, I want to get a mortgage. Um, or I want to get a house um for myself and my girlfriend i also want to be able to go on a couple of decent holidays a year um and that's pretty much it really and have enough money to be able to live comfortably so he said look we'll set a target for you in um within six months you're gonna have enough money to put a deposit down for a, to get a house within working for this company so with that company the first couple months were bloody hard um literally i was cold calling like crazy I was at my desk and like the other guys were going for lunch and stuff like that. I was like, well, I can't really afford it. I didn't have much money at the time. So I was just cold calling. I'd leave my desk and I was just sweating from all these cold calls that I was making. And I was like, bloody hell. But in the end it was worth it because I, I built up some pipeline. Anyway, he said six months to um, we'll get you the house. I think I did it in three or four months. I had enough to put down a deposit you, to get my first house. So, you know, when you're in that grind, like for people who are listening, what do you remember about that that really helped you stay super motivated? Was it, A, that, hey, your boss just sat down and had a conversation with you, acknowledged what you want, and helped you lay out this plan, and you're like, I'm sticking to this because I want the mortgage? Yep. Was it, I'm so competitive, I hate losing? Um, you know, or I mean, it can be a combination of things, but what really sort of pushed you to push through? Because you said it was really hard in the beginning. You were sweating. Like, yeah, literally, I was yeah. sweating. Um, yeah, it's it's a combination of those things, really, Richard. I think at the time, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, is a good saying. So when you need something, you pretty much do anything you can to get it. So at the time, I didn't have much money at all. So I I knew that I literally had to pick up the phone to generate deals, to generate pipeline, generate leads, and then go on where to that, those opportunities. Where did that Where did that survival mentality come from in your life? Do you think? Yeah, it's a good question, really. Um, in terms of knowing, in terms of that, I can't really tell you what, I can't really tell you exactly how it came into my mind. I just knew at the time, because we were a startup, we didn't have inbound leads. We, we just put out a website and we started to do SEO. So six months later, yes, that built inbound leads. But I knew the only way I was going to get pipeline was cold outreach. And so basically, I just hit the there's, phone. There's something deeper in you. There's something about, I don't want to fail. I'll yeah. get something shot until it tells me I shouldn't and until I can not until it tells you you shouldn't but until you go wait a minute I bet there's a better opportunity somewhere right sure like, were you a competitive kid growing up were your parents a, uh, okay. tough food, a lot of tough love like yeah I mean my, my parents have always been pretty relaxed like my mum's a nurse my dad's was a builder um so they've never massively massively competitive and things like that in terms of sport I am competitive so I play football I go to the gym, do a lot of sports. So I'm, I'm very competitive in that sense. I hate losing. Um, so it's, I don't like giving up. So I guess that mentality kicked in. 
and that's probably something that's quite a good trait to have when you in when you're in sales because as you guys know a lot of it is quite yeah, a grind certainly, <laughs> certainly important i think for all of us who are in sales you know, yeah most i'm struggling to think yeah. of strong sales people that i know who don't have those kind of traits there's exactly. a there's a because it's interesting you know and i think scott might say this about me is i'm somewhat competitive but not really but i hate giving up i hate letting something beat me in that competitive spirit like psychologically i hate that right so i, I think those are those are really good traits um you know so so that's sort of where where you came into this you know what are the what what's a now i want to ask you a little bit about business and life um what have been some of your greatest failures that you've learned the most from right? we've all had them right? we've all screwed up something right um is there something that you could pin pinpoint to go guy you know maybe i hired this person and they were you know thought they were it and they aren't or give it give us your yeah your, i mean there's, goal, there's an ex- give us your biggest fuck up there was one i did the other day actually that i I actually said about this on, on a podcast I did the other day, but I'm going to bring it up again because it's quite good Great. Um, and it makes sense. So essentially it was not following a sales process. So this wasn't actually that long ago, um, maybe four or five months ago. And what happened was it had been a really long day. So it was probably half five or six PM. So it was the end of the working day. And um, I had an inbound lead on LinkedIn and he basically wanted help with the project, digital marketing project. So I called him, um, or he called me, I can't remember which way it was, but I was really tired. And I was like, ah, oh, I've not really got my much of elevation, I'm quite hungry. I probably wanted to go to the gym to burn off some steam. Anyway, I called him, he called me, we started a conversation, and um, he, he told me a little bit about what he wanted, and I was quite abrupt. I said, look, that's fine. Um, if, if you want our help, it's gonna be X price. Is that gonna be an issue? Um, I basically cut straight to the chase and um, the customer was like, yeah, okay, um, sounds okay. Send me an email and we can pick up in in a week's time. And I just kind of left it there, sent him an email, I think, with a quote and then just headed off to the gym um, and forgot about it for a few days, followed up with him maybe a week's time. And he said, yeah, I've gone with another company for the job. I said, no worries, keep in touch for any future requirements and uh, take care, whatever, something like that. Okay, thought no more of it. And then I think it was last week, two weeks, two um, weeks ago, the same guy reaches out to me on LinkedIn and he says, Sam, let me be up front. When we spoke before, you were very abrupt. And um, to be honest, I didn't really like the way you spoke to me. <laughs> and uh, good feedback. That's good feedback that, that he I was like, gave you. Fair enough. <laughs> it sounds like I was. Um, and he said, but. I've been following you on LinkedIn for the last few months and I really like the content you put out and it seems like you are actually very passionate about what you do, helping businesses and you actually care about the clients so this, is, this, is a case, this is a case where Sam's content and his brand trumped his, uh, his actual salesmanship. <laughs> well, basically Daniel Disney's that thing, didn't I? Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dan's probably... If he's going to listen to this, he's like, no, Sam, no. Um, anyway, yeah, what, what I did was I, I didn't really follow a sales process on the first call. That was a lesson that I learned. So I just kind of cut to the chase. I thought that the guy didn't have money um, and I it's didn't so qualify funny properly. Now you're contradicting what you said like 20 minutes ago of like, 
hey, when you sell in the UK or Europe, mm. just cut to the tape. Just get to the point. Don't build rapport. Think, Meanwhile, yeah. now now you're sort of given the yin and yang of this. So it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating lesson. I appreciate you sharing that. That's yeah, really, really it's, cool. it's getting the balance really. It's getting the balance right. Asking the right questions, not too many. And yeah, yeah. but I was I was too brief. Anyway, it worked out okay for me because it came back thankfully. Um, and we're going to do some business now, but that's just basically says stick to a stick to a sales um, strategy or a sales process rather, even if you are tired and even if you don't feel like doing it. Did you tell him that since he didn't buy you the first time, you're going to raise the rates twenty percent? Oh, of course, that's that comes naturally. <laughs> you played the long tail on this one, is what you did. You're like, this guy will be back. He'll be back. <laughs> we're connected on LinkedIn. It'll be fine. Yeah, he'll keep, he'll keep, he'll keep if, coming after me. If only it so, was always that easy. By the way, so talking about your brand, because you know we talk about this a lot, um, you do have a, an amazing brand on LinkedIn and you built that up. When did you start focusing on that? When did you realize, hey, as, a, as an individual, you know, there's something I can offer that will help in the long run, right? When, how long ago, how, when did you start doing that kind of stuff? LinkedIn itself a few years ago. Um, but that was, I wasn't doing it very well back then. Um, so I think just before we get to that as well, one question that I didn't answer properly is before we get to, you asked something about how did you get good at sales and how did you learn a sales process and how did you learn to address inbound leads properly? I put a lot of that down to Sandler. Um, so I'm a big fan of Sandler's. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. One of the best books I recommend anyone picks up, um, very, very good. Anyway, back to the point, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I've, I've been on there for years like many, but I was just using it as a tool to pr promote my products, really. So for years, I was just kind of saying, like, we do this, we do this, we do this, putting out products. So when did you flip the switch, though? When did you realize it's not about the product, it's about adding value? Sure. Probably about hmm, maybe two years ago, maybe two years ago, after I started kind of following people like Dan Disney and other guys that are doing well on social and realizing that, yeah, it was about more, more so giving value. So actually telling stories. Um, yeah. So essentially wrapping things up in you stories. Think, and, you think it's becoming, do you think it's becoming easier to learn from practitioners in different parts of the world because of the popularity of LinkedIn? So you, you know, you've been using LinkedIn for a couple of years now, you say, right. But we only just met you couple months ago yeah right? and so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, start, I'm starting to feel like my my network is growing globally right and, and expanding beyond and I'm, I'm wondering if you're sort of experiencing the same things and it's you know it's traditionally not been as easy to kind of connect with people in different parts of the <clears throat> of the world and so forth is, is that like a concerted effort on on your part and and professionals in the UK like Go learn some stuff from American sellers. Go learn some stuff from, you know, Southeast Asia and Australian sellers. Or is it just like organically happening and, you know, you just find people whose content you gel with and God knows how that happens. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever thought I'm going to specifically try and learn from um, salespeople that are in different countries. However, I'm always open to, to learning new things. So Guys like, yeah, Dan Disney, Dale Debris, um, these kind of names that are putting out content that's getting massive engagement. I'm always open to learning. Not just them, though, anyone. Um, 
I think that's an important lesson, really be open to learning from anyone because everyone's got useful stuff to share. Um, some of it's BS, but some of it's actually stuff you can learn from. In terms of, yeah, in terms of overseas, a lot of, our, a lot of leads that I get are from overseas now, because like you say, the power of LinkedIn is huge. So a lot of leads we get for our own projects are from there as well. Um, so conversations have started, started. I mean, I know only made a consented effort to post daily the start of this year. So only since December have I made a conscious effort to actually put out a post daily. Before then, I was just doing it maybe once why, or twice so a week. Why, why, what do you think the advantages are of posting daily as opposed to, say, two or three times a week or three or four times a week? I, 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 yeah. don't, I, don't, I don't post every single day. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm right or, or you're no, right. I'm just curious what you what you're finding the advantage of posting every single day is. Sure. And I don't think there's one right answer. Like you said, yeah, I think because I um, I some people can post a couple times a week or two, three times a week and get killer engagement. They might get a post that just skyrockets, gets hundred K views, 600 likes, um, several comments. And they might get a two to three inbound inquiries direct from that post. Ultimately, it doesn't matter how much you post as long as it's getting you results. So in my case, I post, one, to build up my brand, and secondly, to build up leads. I'm not, I'm not posting to get likes and comments. Whilst, I, whilst they're good and they kind of make you feel good at the time, I want to build up my brand. I want to share best practices, share, share my stories, but ultimately, I want to get inbound. Um, and I think anyone else on LinkedIn, most people on LinkedIn have got a motive, and uh, you might as well use it as a tool. But in terms of posting, I, I post daily because I just like doing it, and I think it's, it's a great way to kind of stay visible for your connections um but like you say if you get results ultimately if you get results from posting twice two to three times a week and it's working for you and it's helping your business then that's fine uh, go ahead richard the mistakes you think you've made on linkedin yeah um mistakes i uh, i think the old instant pitch is a mistake so i used to kind of years ago just send connect with people then send an instant generic sales pitch did it ever uh, work DM. did it ever work it does it does actually work people say it doesn't work but it does if you do it in huge volume so last whilst people say it doesn't this was like this was, copying, this was also a few years ago so this was also might, a few years it might ago have worked a few years ago so this and we're talking volume guys we're talking we're not talking one to two messages we're talking about 200 messages 200 300 messages and maybe getting one to two leads yeah. so I wouldn't advise it because it burns out your connections. It burns bridges and ultimately it pisses people off. So they're probably not going to want to do business with you. Um, and you might get one or two leads, but ultimately you're, you're leaving a trail of fire behind you. So uh, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I did. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. So we're sort of getting towards the end of this. Um, what, what, what can we do to help you? How can we help Sam? How can we help your organization? Um, anything you're passionate about, or you're volunteering time for, or, or just straight up business? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I'll, two, two main things really. I'm not doing any volunteering or anything like that. Always happy to connect with people and help them if I can on LinkedIn. So add, feel free to add me on LinkedIn, Sam Dunning. Um, I share a lot of posts on digital marketing and helping businesses grow. Um, I've got a podcast, Sam's Business Growth Show. So I interview business leaders, experts he has his around own, the globe. He has his own podcast coffee mug, Richard. Where's my coffee mug? How do you expect on guys? How do you expect on you in this show with you, Richard? And I don't even have a coffee mug. You won't spend money. Oh, like that's you. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
You don't even know how much I've paid to do get all the images done. I retract and... my statement. Continue, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah Sam's yeah. Business Growth Show, the podcast, that's on the podcast channels on YouTube, um, check that out. Apart from that, webchoiceuk.com is our company, um, and we basically help businesses skyrocket their leads, sales, and brand positioning with results-driven SEO, digital marketing, um, websites, and apps. And yeah, that's, that's me really, guys. That's, that's the best way to get in touch, LinkedIn or the podcast or, or the website. Um, yeah, it's been, been a good conversation. Sam's, uh, Sam's, you should check out Sam's podcast. He's, uh, he's doing a good job of getting good guests on there. And, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of guests. I've invited you. He's, he's, he's yeah. Have you, have you been on Scott? What's that? Yes. Been on? I have. It's not released yet though. It's not live yet. It's going live in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. He's so hurt. I'm not having anybody else on a podcast until they come on ours first. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us man it's it's thanks, always Sam. Good, appreciate good it, to talk with you and uh wish you the best of luck man you're 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 on your way you're doing great things keep it going thanks guys good to chat cheers